Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cast. You're listening to Be Still, Be Free, and I am Monica. I'm Sarah. I almost said Sorry. I was Sarah. I thought you were going to say I'm Sarah. I almost said I'm Sarah. And then wait, wait, what? No. I thought you were going to go, I'm Monica, and this is Sarah. And you I was going to go, hey. It's taken us so long to get to the second recording because we just keep talking <laughs> in between about things. Then we're like, oh, put a pin in it. We got we we a job to do. We got to finish these recordings so we can go hike a mountain today because it's actually right. sunny and not it quite is. as frigid as it has been. Yeah. So anyway, we are um, still in the kind of the kickoff part of our series, Be Noble, talking about the book of Ruth. And last week we kind of gave an intro, some background, some overview stuff about um, Ruth and Naomi and what this whole book is about. But today we're going to dive into chapter one. So we're doing this a little bit differently than other series. Um, we instead of like words or themes, we're just going to take it chapter by chapter. So I don't know how Sarah's got hers planned out. I'm doing chapter two. I know how I've got mine. They might all be very different, but hey, well, I, you're I always, all along for the ride. I always asked you about that. I'm like, but we never work it out ahead no, of time. We, never we work always it out. just do whatever's going to happen. Part I'm, of the charm is just playing my dog it by keeps ear. Keeps eating my rug. She's never eaten the rug before. Like I don't know what's. It's you, Monica. Do you so need to spray some? Is going on nasty. Stuff flavored step on it? Yeah, I might have to. Um, well, what I thought I would do with Ruth one is just kind of do an overview because okay. I don't want to read the entire book, but yeah. we're going to talk about the entire book. So for anyone who's not maybe read through the book of Ruth, I wanted to just say, Hey, this is what the first book is about. Um, it's Naomi and her family. Uh, Elimelech is her husband, yep. Malin and Killian are her sons. Um, and we talked about last week, how there is a lot of darkness in, um, in Bethlehem right now, um, the Jews are suffering under the hand of God because of their sins. There's famine and Elimelech gets word that there are some good things happening in, in Moab. Uh-huh. And so this is a foreign country. They don't serve the same God. Um, I even read in one place where Naomi kind of wondered if some of the things that had happened to them was because they went there to live right. because it was kind of a pagan country. Uh-huh. Um, but I, at the same time, like, I mean, if we were having extreme famine, I think all of us would do what we needed to do to survive and to thrive, right? And they, I think, were strong in their faith, and I don't think they wavered in their faith. Um, So they pack up their boys, they leave Bethlehem, and they move to Moab. um, And unfortunately, while they're there, Elimelech dies. We don't know what happened. We don't know how or why. Um, We do believe that possibly the sons were kind of weaker, maybe sickly. Um, And so also while they're there, the two sons die. But not before they have taken on two wives, Mm -hmm. uh, but both are Moabites. And so now you've got, um, you know, it's funny. We think that interracial relationships only happened here in the 21st century. Right. (laughs) Going on forever. Right. Going on before the 1950s, <laughs> that's everybody. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly the right. Man who came to dinner happened a long time ago. <laughs> God is not shocked. Um, and so it, it just again such perspective to me because we think that everything that we're going through is new, and it's not new. It's been going on for forever. The same, the same everything's have been happening, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so nothing new under the sun, as Solomon. Nothing said. new under the sun, and history actually does kind of repeat itself. So um, they marry um, the these two Moabites, Orpah and Ruth. Um, not Oprah, as no. I once thought. I thought it was two one time, and it's O-R-P-A-H, yep. not O-P-R-A-H. So Orpah kind of sounds like a 
uh, a whale and Ruth. <laughs> um, so while they're there, Naomi hears that the famine in Bethlehem is over. And she's like, this may be the time for me to move back. She could be with her people, right? Because uh-huh. she's not with her people. And she right. misses her boys and, and she's sad. Um, and so she decides to leave and go back to Bethlehem. And she tells Orpha and Ruth, you stay here. Go back to your families. Then there's even some discussion. Did the girls travel a little bit ways with her? And then she began to feel bad because what did she have to offer them? Custom was that there would be a brother that would take on the widow, mm-hmm. but there were no brothers. Both brothers had died and there were no, there was no family back home. So they yeah. kind of thought. And so she's like, you need to go back, be with your people. And you have more of a chance for a life here than you do with me. Um, both said no originally, but then Orpa actually decides, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Kisses her on the cheek, goes back home. And Ruth says, absolutely not. I'm staying with you. She shows amazing commitment to Naomi and her God. Naomi who did it again. Naomi and her God. It's kind of like Jana and Jana. I know. Naomi, Naomi. <laughs> um, they returned to Bethlehem. And I love this. It, it's like the people came out of the, the city and they came to greet Naomi and they're like, Naomi, is that you? And so you wonder like, how long was she gone and how much right. has she changed? Right. Because they're kind of like, Oh my gosh, is it you? I can't believe it's you. Um, and so they welcome her back. Um, Naomi changes her name to Mara and states her affliction and it all ends as they know that the harvest is just beginning in the land. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the overview of one. Yeah. There's a dot, 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 because there's a lot left to be coming, yeah. um, which is, it's such a great story. But that's, that's one. So I wanted to just draw some parallels with Naomi and Ruth's story to what I think would be in our own lives, how we can think about our own lives with their life. And again, I, I say this frequently. I'm going to say it again today. One of the things I love about the stories in the Bible is they're not filled. The stories are not filled with unrealistic people. Mm -hmm. They're very realistic people. They're people like you and I, Mm -hmm. they're people with hurt. They're people with sin. They're people with sorrow. They're ordinary people being chosen to do extraordinary things. And some of their stories are not extraordinary. I mean, you look at Job and I've talked about him a lot just because I've been reading through it, but God did give him back. And, and give him more children and give him more riches yeah. more than before. But he didn't go on to be a king. He didn't go on to be the grandfather of Christ. He didn't, you know, like there was not right. this, ta-da! you know, he just went back to being who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes we think that everybody in the Bible was somebody that came out to be extraordinary and had some huge contribution. And some of these stories are just stories. And so I think it's important to remember that. And, and yes, Ruth goes on to be the great grandmother of David but this is just a story that I think that we can all um, kind of connect with. So the first parallel that I wanted to talk about is just life is hard. Yeah. You know, Naomi left her home because of famine, lost her husband, two sons married, four men, foreign women from a godless country. Sons die. She has to move back alone, brings a daughter-in-law that she doesn't even really feel like she needs to bring back. She has nothing to offer her. Um, and there's complete uncertainty upon her return. And so I'm thinking how many of us can relate to hard times? Yeah. Like, this woman went through years of hard times. It wasn't just a year, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you think about the time it took to do everything by foot, by donkey, to get from one country to another country, to get settled, to have a life, have a husband, bury him, have two guys get married, bury him, leave them there. Doesn't take them with, you know, doesn't have a grave to go visit or anything else. Walks back by foot. Yeah. Gets back. You know, like that didn't happen in one week. Right. They didn't get an airplane and fly somewhere. Right. right. This is a long time that this probably happened through. And so I think some of us can really, I think all of us can relate. 
that life is full of hard times. And, and just like Naomi, when she came back and wanted to change her name to Mara, I mean, Mara, you know, she felt like God had left her, that he was nowhere around. Kind of like how Job felt like, what did I do? I know God is there, but what did I do? What did I do wrong? Why is he turning his back on me? Um, or why and, is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? And so how can a loving God allow such despair? If he loves me, why did he let my husband die? If he loves me, why did he bring me here? If he knew this was going to happen, why did he bring me here to lose all of my, you know, like that's the things I know I would be saying. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have to imagine that if you're being honest, that's probably what you would say. The thing to remember though is that in this story, like in so many stories that are in the word of God, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Mm-hmm. The working together for good doesn't feel good in the journey at the time. And sometimes God's idea of something looking good and our idea of looking good can be two different things. But we have to remember that our existence is for kingdom building yeah. and not for self building. Yeah. And so if you can keep that kingdom perspective and remember that you're playing a part in a big story, in a big battle mm-hmm. with supernatural warfare and Satan versus Jesus, he's going to use you strategically so that the best comes out for the kingdom. And we just have to trust that. Yeah. You know, and one thing I love about, um, I think it's verse seven, it says that, um, about Naomi. So she set out from the place where she was. Mm -hmm. And I love that because, um, she started from where she like, start from where you are, Mm -hmm. but also she didn't just wish for change. Mm -hmm. Like she set out to receive it. That's right. And so instead of just like, Oh Lord, like, what was me change my circumstances? She was like, okay, well, obviously these circumstances are bad. So I'm going to like literally take a step, like actually literally take a step. She was proactive in her own she story. She was proactive in her story. Yeah. She didn't sit just in her misery. It's funny because we were talking about, who was I talking to yesterday? And my friend Tracy and I were talking about how we talk about the valleys. Yes. Going through the valleys. And there's just some valleys you want to just step over. Uh-huh. And there are some valleys you want to sit in. Mm-hmm. And Naomi didn't just sit in the valley of despair. No. She kept moving through the valley to come out on the other side. Correct. Um, so the second parallel I wanted to say, is that we get lost in our misery. Naomi begins to verbalize her despair. She tells the daughters, don't come with me. God is against me. Yeah. Um, how often do we start to verbalize our despair and discouragement and misery? You know, how many times do you catch yourself in a, in a conversation where you're like, oh, God just doesn't love me. Or, you know, I don't think God is for me. Or you have, mm-hmm. how many times do you have that conversation with yourself? Yeah. Because for her to verbalize that to the girls, she had to have had that in her mind for quite a while. We talked about that with the bee thinkers, right? Yeah. So as you think, so are you. And once you start thinking it enough, it comes out of your mouth. And so how many times do we think about our misery so much that we begin to talk about our misery? Um, and I think about this with my, my daughter because she has a tendency to fixate on her misery. And then before long, you hear her saying, Oh, my life sucks or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And so like I sent her a text this morning, I'm like, love your life. It's worth loving. Right. You know, but we talk to ourselves and it's not that she means anything bad of it. Yeah. You know, she's not trying to be living in her misery. She doesn't even know that's what she's doing. But if we can just be mindful of how much we do that um, and how much we talk to ourselves and talk to others, because remember, there's a lesson here. When we have decided that God is against us, we usually exaggerate our hopelessness. This was in um, John Piper. 
We become so bitter, we can't see the rays of light peeping out around the clouds. It was God who broke the famine and opened the way home. It was God who preserved a kinsman Mm -hmm. to continue Naomi's line. It was God who constrains Ruth to stay with Naomi. But Naomi is so embittered by God's hard providence that she can't see his mercy at work in her life. That's so telling. Isn't that so good? It's so convicting. Yeah, because we just get so, we get the blinders on and we're so... We're so in our own mire that we we can't see that there is a light on the other side, right. and we just sit in it. Yeah, and and can't see the positives that are going on at yeah. the same time. Isn't that great? Oh wow. Okay, here's another third parallel. Ruth's faithfulness is an example of God's faithfulness. Naomi painted the future black. Ruth took her hand and walked into it with her. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Naomi painted the future black and Ruth took her hand and walked into it with her. Entreat me not to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if even death departs you from me. So this is Ruth saying this to Naomi. And not only, you know, does she say, hey, I'm going to stay with you until you die. She says, where you die, I will die. Right. Where you're buried, I will be buried. We are that now is my level of commitment family. to you. I am yeah. as committed to you more so than probably your sons would have even been. Yeah. How often do we feel alone in our despair? I think so many times we feel alone in our despair. And the beauty here is that Ruth, we talk about how Boaz is the great redeemer, right? The kinsman redeemer. And he is the object of kind of being God and how he is our great redeemer. But when you think about this, Ruth's commitment to not leave Naomi's side really is as much of a beautiful picture of God saying that he will never leave us or forsake us. Like God's, we talk about how God goes to the, you know, has gone before us and is built the bridge, gone before us, he's preparing a place for us, right? But then he's still with us on the bridge. Mm -hmm. We think sometimes he's still over there and he's not walking with us. He's still with us in our despair. He's committed to us. He's never going to leave us in our despair. Do we have to walk through it? Yes. Naomi painted the future black. Ruth took her hand and walked into it with her. God walks into our black spaces with us if we let him and if we recognize that. That's so good. Isn't that good? Okay, so I wanted to break down Naomi and Ruth just really quickly, okay? And and we're going to talk about God a little bit. So Naomi, she was strong. I love this because I think these are attributes that we as women need to connect with. She was strong. She moved to a foreign country, buried her boys, was willing to be alone, moved back, and start a new life. Mm-hmm. That, you just, you just said this, right? That she didn't just stay. She moved on from yep. her land where she yep. was. She was where she was, and she moved from there. That takes courage. That takes strength. And that takes boldness. Yeah. And how many times do we land in our despair and we sit there and feel paralyzed and we're waiting for someone to come rescue us from it. We're waiting from God for God to come rescue us from it instead of being the author and participant participator of our own rescue. Absolutely. And we're going to actually talk about that with Ruth in chapter two. Also awesome. Um, But it's such a, that's such an important takeaway. I think for some people listening (laughs) for me too, Um, (laughs) I'm going to say y'all need it and not me, but it's true. I need She's it really saying, Sarah, you need this. <laughs> no, hint, hint. but it is so true. It's like what I said, um, week one, the, the line that was, um, a marvelous joining of human and divine actions. Like we need to have, yeah. you know, the, the cliche is God can't drive a parked car. Yeah. Like 
put it in drive. Like, yes. if you willing, God will steer. He can be the pilot. But Quit like, asking him to put it in drive. Yeah. Don't just keys. sit in the seat and say, well, God, if you want it to go somewhere, turn it on right. and push the gas pedal. Right. You know, it's kind of like that thing of, well, I'm waiting to see if, you know, I'm waiting for the right door to open. But if you never walk down the hall, you can't see if the door opens. Yes. So I've had this happen with a couple different people recently, like in very, people that don't even know each other, but t- saying like, Hey, pray for this opportunity. I don't know. Like whether it's saying it, it's an interview, I'm going to have this interview, but if it comes to pass, I don't know if I should blah, blah, blah. blah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, back up, mm-hmm. dumb it down, mm-hmm. have the interview. Yes. The interview is not committing you to anything. Have the interview. Like the whole theme that God has like been doing in my life over the last several months has just been walk through the doors that are open Mm -hmm. and trust me that I will close them if they're not the right fit. So true. And so like nothing will transpire if we're not willing to walk through a door that's open, just walk through it. You're not committing to anything by walking through an open door. Not at all. And if you really do not have the right answer, you just say, Lord, you close it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the right thing in the long run, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to walk through it Mm -hmm. because I think you've opened this Mm -hmm. for me. And we're so afraid to walk through doors that are open because we're trying to put the whole puzzle together Mm -hmm. on the other side of that threshold. And God's like, I'm not asking you to look at the threshold. I'm asking you to take a step. Yeah. I'm not asking you to look at the whole room, the whole puzzle. Don't figure it all out. I'm asking you to take one actual step. And then I'll let you know if it doesn't fit. If that's not the piece of the puzzle to your puzzle. Yeah. Then I'm not going to let you stay in there because it's not going to fit. I'm going to let you know that. It doesn't mean anything that you, it just means that you're a willing participant in being obedient. Mm -hmm. And obedience is another thing that we talk about with Ruth too. It's that whole thing where we say, you know, people always think the grass is greener on the other side, but it's really green where you water it, right? Mm -hmm. It's where you are actively investing in the land in which you are in the situation in which you are. If all you're doing is waiting for somebody else to take you to greener pastures, you're probably never going to get there. Um, I, I think it's just so important to remember that you have to be an active participant in the journey. You yes. can't just, you just can't be a bystander. It's yes. your journey. A journey takes you from one place to another. Yes. It's not stationary. Right. And so if you're stationary in your journey, take a look at the mirror and decide to be like Naomi and be strong, move to a foreign country, bury whatever is dead in your life. Oh, that's a word. Get up and move on to oh, a new country. Bury whatever is dead that, in your life. Yeah, that is bury a whatever is dead in that your life. That just landed on somebody. And they like got a zing. Like Maybe a, I should a write that lightning down. bolt zing. Like I can like somebody's in a car right now <laughs> and they're driving and you just said that and like they spontaneously got tears in their eyes. Like bury what's dead. Bury what is dead because it'll weigh you down. Yes. It will weigh you down. It'll keep you from moving forward. We don't want to leave what we loved. We don't want to leave what we thought we needed. We don't mm-hmm. want to leave what we've grieved. We mm-hmm. want to stay with it, but you have to bury it and you have to move on. Yeah. It, it, nothing good is going to come of you just wandering in the desert for 40 years. And it doesn't mean that everything will be rosy and perfect no. and easy as soon as you take that step. Because it still wasn't for me. Because it took time. Like, That's right. And, and I'll talk about that in chapter two. Like it, there was time yep. that passed, but God will bring his purpose and fulfillment. Totally. Totally. And what I love about her too, is she never quit believing in God. Right. And I'm going to say this about Job too. He never quit believing in God, how he saw God in that moment, how she sees God Mm -hmm. in this moment wasn't correct. It was fleshly, but I don't know that I would be any different. And I'm going to tell you right now, all of this book of Ruth, I'm like, like preaching to myself in my own despair and things that I'm going through. But 
She never denounced God. No. The thing that she did say is, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made his life very bitter, my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So is her perspective fleshly here? Yes. But it is so evident that she strongly believes and she doesn't just say the God that God has brought misfortune, the almighty. Mm -hmm. She's not denouncing who God is. She doesn't denounce her belief in God. She knows that God exists. He is sovereign and he is a part of her life. She's She's just just caught in her. Any widow or mother who's lost a child would experience. Yeah. Anybody who's lost everything would feel the way that she's feeling. I'm confident of it. She's not wrong for feeling how she's no. And in fact, she's She's handling it exactly the way I think God would expect every human to. Mm -hmm. Weeping, gnashing of teeth, while simultaneously believing that God's still there. That's right. She's already a surrogate to Mm -hmm. Ruth. Mm -hmm. Um, She's going to end up being an an incredible mentor for Ruth, an incredible incredible encourager to Ruth. She's going to give her great wisdom. Um, But Naomi, even in just this first chapter, has already brought her along kind of as a surrogate to her and said, okay, come on with me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kick you out and make you go back to the land if you don't want to, if you want to come with me. And I think, I have to think because of Naomi's love for God, that she knew that Ruth was being drawn to God as much, if not more being drawn to Naomi. And I think that was kind of a little mission project for Naomi, if you will. I think she knew she couldn't just shun somebody who was interested in God. I could be wrong, but that's just, that's what I'm thinking. Um, She couldn't see the forest for the trees. But isn't that how often we are? She only saw her life from a horizontal perspective. God sees it vertically. What she saw is despair. God was working for good for all of mankind. God used Naomi, but she didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And then we will see that the um, that she remains faithful to God even in her sadness. That's going to come. Yeah. So that's Naomi with a lot of qualities to really yeah be like okay she's just like me but mm-hmm. she kept going and I can too yeah Ruth has also suffered sadness. She lost her husband. Um, she's, but she's still living as if there's a future. And I love that. Like she lost a lot. She left her hometown. She left her mom and dad. She left her family. She left all of that, her culture, but she's still living as if there's a future. She still has a hope. And I think that's so good for us. She left her country, wanted to stay with Naomi. She saw something in this woman. Ruth saw something in Naomi that she wanted to be a part of. She commits herself to Naomi like in marriage. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. And may the Lord deal with me. Unsure of her future. She doesn't know what is about to happen. And according to tradition, she would remain widowless and child or widowed and childless. Um, so here she's going to this complete new country. Again, just courageous, daring almost, yeah. willing to take chance. Um that I, that's exciting to me because yeah. that's the kind of woman I want to be. I want to be daring. I want to be courageous. I want to be willing to take chances. Right. And they're all going to work out, but I want to, I want to be on the journey. I want, I want to go forward and see what happens. Well, and it's like we, what I was just talking about. God did not give Ruth any sort of a blueprint or any sort of a glimpse mm-hmm. into what would happen when she got there. No, she had no clue, but the door was open and she walked through it. Yep. We never know what's on the other side. No. And then she's pursuing of God. She came from a godless country and wants to go be with the Lord's people. She knew she was going to the Lord's people. She wanted her God, Naomi's God, to be her God. She is pursuing that. And um, 
My question is, are we pursuing the God that we already have? We already know about our God. Uh Are we pursuing him? Are we that committed to him that we would leave our country and go to pursue him? Right. I don't know how many people could answer yes to that. Yeah. You know, um, bad things happen to good people and we will continue to see a story of redemption. Just like Joseph, the problem with Naomi is that she has forgotten the story of Joseph who also went into a foreign country. John Piper said this, he was sold as a slave. He was framed as an adulteress and put into prison. He had every reason to say, to say with Naomi, the almighty has dealt bitterly with me, but he kept his faith and God turned it all for his personal good and for Israel's national good. The key lesson in Genesis 50, 20 is this, as for you, you meant it for evil against me. Joseph says to his brothers, but God meant it for good. Mm -hmm. Naomi is right to believe in a sovereign almighty God who governs the affairs of nations and families and gives each day its part of pain and pleasure. But she needs to open her eyes to the signs of his merciful purposes. Yeah. She's so stuck. She sees the sovereignty, but she sees the despair and the bad things that are happening. And she forgets the story of Joseph where he went through the bad and it all worked out in the end for his good and for the good of the kingdom. You know, it's interesting. We talked, I don't know if it was this week or last week about the verse in Isaiah 55 that says, you know, my ways are higher. My thoughts Mm -hmm. are higher. She probably was headed back to Bethlehem to just like, I bet she envisioned just an okay life yeah. with like no real highs, no real lows, yeah. you know, like yeah. I'm going to go back. It'll be fine. I'm I'll just going family. back home, mm-hmm. not knowing that God's ways were much higher and God's thoughts about it were so much higher. Yep. And like, God's just going like, just you wait. Yep. Just you, you wait, girlfriend. You have no idea what's on the yes. other side of this for you. You can only see it through the eyes of a human. You mm-hmm. can't see it through the heart of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just completely different. Yeah. You know? Um, and so let's talk about God for just a second. While all these bad negative things were going on, and we touched on this a minute ago, one, God took away the famine, mm-hmm. right? So he had laid this famine on the Israelites. He removed this famine from the Israelites. He provided a way home for her. One, she found out that the famine had been mm-hmm kind of getting over with. She knew that harvest was about to begin. They were going to actually have a harvest. Yeah. And she was able to get home. Yeah. She provided a companion for her for the trip to home. So she was never alone. Yeah. She felt alone. She thought she was alone, but she was never alone. Right. And then he used Naomi to create the lineage of Christ. Who knew? Like she had no idea. Like, yes, it's, it's not her blood daughter and it's not her blood son. But her willingness to go back to a land so these two people could meet and fall in love is what thwarted the lineage of Christ. And so you have to sit there and go, she had no idea how God was going to use her in this crazy, awesome story of redemption. Well, in the covenant that Ruth made a covenant with Naomi, Mm -hmm. which was stronger than blood relation. That's right. Because back in those times, like that was the, just in the words that she said, that was a, as if God himself made Mm -hmm. a covenant. I'm confident that not only did David know about Ruth and did they talk about the story of Ruth and, and Boaz meeting, I'm confident that they knew, he knew about Naomi. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he knew that oh, story. Yeah. Um, so here are my practical applications. Are you more like Naomi or are you more like Joseph? Do you believe that God works all things together for his good? Are you willing for his good to be more important than your good? Mm-hmm. And so, you know me, I'm always asked some hard questions. Ask yourself some hard questions. And if ask yourself, are you Naomi or are you a Joseph? And sometimes the only way you can, can know that is by sitting down with a journal 
and starting to write things out and get your emotions on paper to see what direction those emotions are going in. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you sit down and journal and see which way your emotions go. Write out a prayer to God. What does your prayer sound like? Is it more a prayer of pleading and despair? Is it more a prayer of give me strength, give me a hope, give me endurance? Mm-hmm. One is more yeah. Joseph and one is more Naomi. And I'm not going to say that one is, I mean, I think it's natural and normal for us to have the human despair part of us, uh-huh. but not to stay there. Yeah. And so if you notice that that's where you are, what do you need to do to get to where Joseph is? Right. And then change your perspective. Just as we finished our Be Thinker series, where do you need to see the small cracks of light, even in the midst of your darkness? So the small cracks of light were that God took away the famine. He provided a home. He provided a companion. And he used Naomi to create the lineage of Christ. Where in your despair do you see small cracks of light? And write those down. Be, try to train your eyes to see the small cracks of light. Because there are small cracks of light every day. Absolutely. We just have to be willing to see them. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to see them, you can begin to not be so overwhelmed by the negative that's going on in your life. Yeah. It's like we used to call them God winks. You mm-hmm. know? Yes. What were the God winks along the way? Yeah. So that's my chapter one. I love that. Oh my goodness. That was so good. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to pray us out as okay. we close. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to dive into a book about women that you esteem so highly. I pray, Lord, that um, as everyone is listening to this story, whether they identify more with Naomi or with Ruth or even with Joseph, Lord, I just pray that you would begin to whisper um, whisper how much you love them, how much your plans are going to be fulfilled and how they just, whatever action step, if there's one that anyone needs to take today, I pray that you would whisper that to them too and that they would have the courage to take that step no matter how scary it is or no matter even how insignificant it might seem to them. One small act of um, obedience and faith, no matter what it ends up looking like in human terms, can just move mountains spiritually. So I just pray those things in Jesus' name and um, help everyone to have a great rest of the week. Amen. Amen.